0: Welcome to author Talk on cbsnews.com. We are joined uh, today by Brian Kello, author of uh, A Life in the Dark, uh, a biography of Pauline Kale. As far as we know, the first biography of Pauline Kale?
1: The very first biography of Pauline Kale, And according to Todd McCarthy last week in his very nice review on The Hollywood Reporter, the first biography possibly of any movie critic. I'm not sure that's How about that? true, but How about that? that's what Todd McCarthy says. So well,
0: this is a very good movie critic to start with. Pauline Kale, of course, the uh, the legendary critic for The New Yorker. Um, she discouraged a biography.
1: Oh, she certainly did. Uh, there was one in the works uh, shortly before she died. Someone was under contract to write it, and she was not happy about it at all. And there had been other proposals made to her but she always discouraged it because she felt that she had written her autobiography already through the reviews that she wrote for The New Yorker for all those years because that was her life going to the movies
0: How would she feel about a life in the
1: dark? I, Pauline you know, no I knew you us. were going to ask me that <laughs> and I have no idea I'd like to think that she would think that I did a pretty good job uh, I'll tell you it was a tough book to write. It Why? was a very, very difficult job. Because, uh, among other things, she covered her tracks and her personal life very, very well. I was amazed that even people who had known her well professionally knew very little about her past. She just didn't talk about it. And uh, not that she had anything terrible to hide. But she, she enjoyed confusing people about her past life. She, she messed with people. Oh, she really did, yeah. She, uh, she told people, for example, that she had been married three times. She delighted in this kind of subterfuge. Well, in fact, she was married only once and very, very briefly in the 1950s. And she didn't talk about her early years growing up as a farm girl in Petaluma, California very much. Not because, again, she was ashamed of it or had anything to hide, she just didn't, she didn't talk about it, didn't talk about her parents.
0: Well, let's talk about that a little bit now because I think that's one of the things you're proud of in the book is that you examine some of her early years. Her father right. was a chicken farmer?
1: He was, he was. Uh, her, her parents were uh, Russian-Polish immigrants who came to this country, came to New York, uh, got started on the Lower East Side, as a lot of of immigrant Jews did at that time, and had a pretty rough time. Her father sold caps for a while down around Hester Street. And then they heard about this opportunity out west, that there was this uh, community of Jewish chicken ranchers who could do quite well if if they really knew how to do it. And they decided they wanted to live in a more picturesque place in the the Lower East Side, and so they headed west. Is that possible? uh, It's so gorgeous there. I know! Well, God, I wonder what they think of it now. (laughs) Um, But they headed west, and it was, and still is, a very beautiful place. I, I went to Petaluma to research it for the book. And actually found the house that she had lived in as a as a small child. And so then
0: she always fa- fashioned herself as a bit of a, a a western girl, a country girl. Very much so.
1: Yeah, very much so. She was very proud of the fact that she'd grown up on a farm, and she, that she'd grown up in the in the West. She was very mistrustful of the New York literary intelligentsia. Very suspicious of it. She.
0: Uh, as much as she tried, she tried to penetrate it all those years. Well, she
1: did, but she penetrated it in her own way. Yeah. But the the Diana Trillings and the Susan Sontags of the world—that was not really Pauline's thing at all.
0: So you interviewed uh, <laughs> what one hundred and seventy people?
1: Almost one hundred and seventy, yes. And uh, it was—I uh, wanted to uh, not only to interview the people that she had worked with closely, the writers she'd worked with closely, the younger writers whose careers she had helped promote and develop. But I also wanted to interview a lot of the directors and screenwriters, and even some of the actors, whose work she'd reviewed, because I wanted to get their take on the impact that her writing had on their careers.
0: She she was famous, uh, very famous, for only seeing a movie once and then writing about it and then not returning to it. Why was that?
1: Uh, Well, that's what she always said. Now, some people, Carrie Rickey, for one, uh, the film critic for the Philadelphia Inquirer, insists that that wasn't always true. She did occasionally go back. But most of the time, I do think she saw it only once. Uh, She wanted to retain her first impression because she thought that was the truest one. She didn't want to go back and rethink and second-guess herself.
0: That said, she's obviously continually scrambling, or, or, or scribbling down notes as she's watching Constantly. these movies Constantly. so that it's not like she just watches it and then tries to write everything down. Right. She's taking
1: <laughs> she, she not only took notes uh, extensively, she also commented out loud in a lot of the screenings, which, which drove her, uh, her movie critic did. colleagues crazy. She would laugh and hoot and make comments, and, and some of her colleagues were very upset by this because they thought she was... Uh, unduly prejudicing other people who are in the screening room.
0: You said she was naive about her impact, she, she didn't, did, did she fully understand her impact?
1: In it? I think she very much understood the impact that she had at the New Yorker for all those years. As a, I mean she, she cut across so many cultural boundaries, she was, she was more than a movie critic, she was almost a kind of a social critic too, mm-hmm. because she, she observed in the context of her movie reviews what was going on at the time that had made the movie the way it was, and I think, I think she did that better than anybody else. Uh, she was almost a kind of sociologist yeah. in that regard. But um, she uh, she was fascinated by many things. She loved music. She loved uh, she loved politics. She was a news junkie. She didn't go to the theater as much as I would have thought she would have. But I think partly because she didn't have time.
0: Let's talk about the New Yorker. You mentioned the New Yorker a little bit. She she had a a, a number of legendary tussles with William Shawn. Mm-hmm. The legendary editor, absolutely of, of of the New Yorker. Did, did that relationship end in a? End, uh, end well?
1: Well, I wouldn't say it ended well. I wouldn't say it and it didn't end well. Uh, they were not each other's cup of tea personally at all. She found him to be rather stuffy and hidebound, and I think she was amused by how puritanical he could be in some respects. I mean, Pauline used rough language. William Shawn was an old-style gentleman to the core. He treated everyone with great politeness. He was very courtly. Pauline was not courtly. No, <laughs> one, I would say that's one thing probably not the best it. word. Although <laughs> I have to say, I met her very briefly a couple uh, of times, once when I was a college student, and she was incredibly polite to me. I mean, I was so there was none of that New York intellectual edge about her. She was just a warm, friendly lady. She
0: fought viciously for sole control of the movie column right. in The New Yorker, and she
1: finally got she it. She finally got it, but not for many, many years. She, uh, when she went to The New Yorker in 1968, she split the year, six months and six months, with Penelope Gilliatt, uh, a British film critic that Sean had brought in shortly before. And she was not happy about that arrangement. They were very different kinds of writers, and they each had each one had her partisans, you know. And I was always a KL partisan. Yeah. I have to say, when I was a kid reading the magazine, and I when Pen- Penelope Gilliatt would be on for six months, I would just be itching <laughs> for Pauline to come back in the fall. When, of course, she would often re-review some of the films that Penelope Gilead had reviewed over the summer.
0: Did Pauline go out of her way uh, to cause stirs? I mean, did, did, did she add stuff that maybe she didn't really need because she knew that it was going to tweak... Someone or multiple people.
1: Oh, she liked being a bad girl. There's no question about it. She enjoyed she enjoyed tweaking certain people I think usually she enjoyed tweaking people that she thought needed to be taken down a bit People she regarded as pompous. She had no time at all for pomposity None.
0: How did she feel about getting taken down a bit?
1: Oh, she was very wounded by it. No, very, very wounded. Whether it was Sean
0: or somebody else. Absolutely,
1: she- or Renata Adler, who wrote a famous, uh, very, very critical piece about her uh, in 1980.
0: When, 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 when she made mistakes in her columns or when she was criticized for some of her callings, it, it, did it, it stuck with her for a long time?
1: Oh, I think, I think she took it very seriously. I think, I think the Adler piece wounded her deeply. I think that uh, she was accused of being a homophobe. And of course, this was a woman with many, many close gay friends. I think I think it was a complete misreading of what she was all about. Um, she she didn't think that any group was off bounds uh, when it came to evaluating movie. If a if a gay themed film was bad, she said it was bad, and she said why she thought it was bad. If a Jewish themed film uh, was not up to her standard, she said so, and she said why, and she she got in terrible trouble with that with a review that she wrote of the Landsman uh, documentary Shoah about the death camps during World War II. She hated it. She thought it was a, a a long grinding bore. And she wrote a very, very harsh review of it, and the Jewish community in New York especially just rose up in, in outrage.
0: Is there an easy way to describe her, her critical style? She had a she had visceral reactions. Oh yeah. she I I mean I, I she was not interested necessarily um, in the style as much as the, the emotion. Maybe that's not the best way to put it. But she was very much in the visceral reaction a movie or a film could bring about. Is that, I mean, when we, we talk about so. Last Tango or whatever else. It, it was
1: a highly emotional reaction to what she saw on the screen. But she thought that was the true reaction. She thought the visceral gut reaction was the true and honest reaction. She had very little time for theory which theory, of course set her yeah, for, yeah yeah set her apart from a lot of the other critics in fact in this morning's new york times there was a lengthy discussion about about this this whole thing uh, because a lot of critics are very seriously into theory and she was not
0: but did she did she i mean she, did she understand the theory did she did she have an oh, appreciation I think, of the theory or oh, no, she I just think, rejected it or didn't want to talk about did. it i think absolutely
1: did i think she read them i think she studied them i think she uh, she certainly there were certainly other critics she admired but uh, she was not a theorist herself. She wanted to give her undiluted gut reaction to what was up there on the screen. I, what's wrong with that? I wish more uh, critics would do that. You know?
0: So she, we talk about, she, she loved Last Tango in Paris, obviously, uh, yeah. one of her most famous reviews of all time. I mean, she just lauded that film
1: oh, all yeah. over the place. Yeah.
0: I, I put the film on the map in many ways. Right. Um, films she did not like, Star Wars, No. It, it's a Wonderful Life,
1: no! Oh God, no!
0: Casablanca? Uh,
1: well, I think she liked. She did like Casablanca.
0: She just didn't like the role. Yeah,
1: okay. she, she she called. She yeah, exactly. She thought. Uh, Google it if you get a chance. Right, Some of her comments on right, Casablanca. Exactly. We'll leave it out for yeah, now. But yeah, anyway, yeah. She. Um, I mean, Last Tango, of course, was was her review of Last Tango. Famously, got her into trouble again <laughs> because. Uh, she, she thought it was, in many ways, the greatest thing she'd ever seen. And she thought it was the most honest portrayal of, of male-female sexuality that had ever been put on the screen. And I think in some ways she was right. Uh, I think a lot of people didn't know what to make of it. And uh, she did go overboard. She compared it to the world premiere of Stravinsky's The Ride of Spring. As a cultural landmark, and of course, she opened herself up to mm-hmm. raspberries from mm-hmm. from all kinds of her colleagues. But it's funny um, when you were talking about her her gut reaction to something and her not really taking into account political correctness mm-hmm. or or whatever the, the the climate is at the moment. I was thinking about her the other day uh, when I went to see *The Help*, which I just think is a Terrible, terrible I movie. A, I wasn't an enormous fan. That's yeah. insulting and condescending to everyone. And it's interesting because I was listening. One thing I learned about, about reading Pauline Kale. I don't was, think Pauline would like the help. Oh, I think she'd hate it. I think she'd hate it. But I was listening to the comments coming out of the theater. And this is something that she did a lot. And she would often that's write about the, the, the comments that she would overhear. And people were sort of congratulating themselves on, on being sympathetic. On being to able this, to go to that movie. Right. And, and talking about, oh, we forget what a terrible time it was in the South. Well, it was a horrible time in the South. I mean, we all know yeah. that. But that doesn't mean it's a good movie. Yeah. you know. Interesting
0: so, you talk about that movie in particular, yeah. because I do think that she maybe might not be a fan. Um, what would she think of movie reviewers today? I know that she, you know, Ebert says he was greatly influenced by her, <laughs> Owen Gleiberman at Entertainment Weekly. Right. Obviously, a number of critics um, have been influenced by her. What, what would she think of today's movie reviewing? Would she say that it's uh, it, it, it's daring enough?
1: No, I think she feel. I would think. I it's hard for me to say, really, in a way. But if if I were to guess, I would guess that Pauline would say that that the critics now are much too susceptible to what the audience thinks to what is going on at the moment, to political correctness. Uh, and I think a lot of them do succumb to that. Um, but I think she'd also feel sorry for them, because she would feel that the run of the movies today, generally, is so bad. And yeah. I think it is. I mean, I think it's pretty. When I,
0: What would she like that's out right I now?
1: Mean, when I went to see The
0: Tree of Life oh gosh, not too
1: really. long ago, I thought my, her head would fall off and roll <laughs> down the aisle. But so you, you know? never
0: know. She might love a movie well, like that.
1: I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it very much. Um,
0: um, I do wonder what she would really like today. Maybe it's not even worth speculating. Well, She's not around, but... Um,
1: I think, I, I guess it's fresh in my mind because I just watched it on television again last night. Uh, I'm not sure she wouldn't have liked Black Swan.
0: No, she probably would have liked Black Swan. Because
1: she just would have thought it was a fun, trashy movie. I don't think she would have taken it seriously, you know. But I think she would have kind of admired this kind of sick energy that it has and gotten a kick out of it. I don't know. That's a guess.
0: Uh, Fascinating read. Uh, Thank you. The the, the first biography, as far as we know, of of Pauline Kael. I guess that's pretty easy to determine. It it, it is the first biography. (laughs) I I think I can say that for sure. Uh, Brian Kello is the author. We appreciate him joining us. You've been watching Author Talk on CBSNews.com.